Welcome to the Peace at Home podcast. I'm your co-host, Sinan. I'm Jamie with a mouthful of pizza. And I'm Ben, and I'm horribly ill. I'm, am I going to have to edit out a lot of Ben being ill and Jamie eating pizza this time? Is that what's going to have to happen? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, not necessarily. You could just leave it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just really disgust the listener. Actually, to be <laughs> fair, they deserve it. Just an extremely wet coughing fit halfway through. <laughs> Although, I've been falling a little bit ill as well. I've been like on the edge of being ill for like two weeks. Mm. You know that bit Someone... where you're like, little headache, bit sniffly, but you're mostly fine. I've been on that for two weeks. And not COVID, yeah. I did check. Like... Someone's unleashed someone some kind of bioweapon on left Twitter. It seems like it. Yeah. I, mean, I spent like a day and a half in bed. And I was like waking up and I had these horrible hacking coughing fits. And the only thing that seemed to suppress my cough was smoking a cigarette, which yeah, feels very on brand. Yeah, it's weird how that does happen, to be fair. That is a thing I've known to happen to people. Yeah, because <laughs> the bacteria are like, wow, this fuck is cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah I, I, I had to take a day off work because I was just like, I'm just wiped out by whatever this is. And it's weird because I took the COVID test, not COVID, whatever. So it must, it must mm. just, it must just be that season again because we're all out and about working again. So it's just lurgy yeah. season, I guess. But I've got like the except I don't go to the office, so it seems even more unfair on me to get it. To be honest, fantastic. Maybe, maybe did they did they send you anything from the office? Did no, they maybe no, just no. All, all cough on something and then have it delivered? No, thank God, I wouldn't accept anything from the office. To be honest, if it was being delivered, <laughs> wouldn't accept it. Because it would, it would have to come from location redacted, but I'm not going to accept anything coming from there ever. So... Oh, boy. D- didn't realise you had a job at Porton Down, but there we go. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, I'm not the, the Lockheed Martin person that was, um, that was a famous Twitter skull. Okay, his name, but yeah. Yeah, God. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Basically... I can't, I can't... Keep forgetting how much has happened since uh, since I I stopped doing this for a while. Yeah, yeah, you've been missing out on all of the all of the very timely references we make, but are released a week later. Fantastic. So so we so we the basically to explain to the listeners the advantage for us of this is that we don't have to be topical because it's all about the past, but also we have cure we we can't stop ourselves chatting shit about what's happening that day. So yes. So you're basically getting what was the Twitter discourse, so long as it exists, I guess, like a week earlier. So you'll know what we were talk we were talking about a week earlier in all of our horrible, yeah. disgusting group chats. Two weeks mm. in the case of the bonus. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder what's going to happen to us when when Twitter finally goes down. Uh. Well. All right. I, I got like I got a mastodon for like because like the thing is I'm completely fucked if Twitter goes. Because, yeah. like, I to be fair, like, okay, Twitch and YouTube are different ecosystems, and I get that. But also, like, I am properly screwed if it goes. So I've 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 got a Mastodon as like a stopgap for like some at least so I keep in the habit of pushing stuff. And then whenever gonna, whatever the next thing is, we just go to that. I guess we're all going to go on to like Moonfruit and have our own personal websites. <laughs> I am I am thinking about making personal website, but like. But because I do all sorts of fucking nonsense like this, I'm like, I think I need a place for it all. Yeah. You know, because I just do everything. It was Ben said I had the most insane work effort they ever seen. So. Yeah. yeah. Bring Absolutely. back GeoCities. GeoCities, yes. yeah. I mean, to be fair, like, I know Discord's not a replacement for it, but, like, Discord has fun- forum functions now. So I have, like, a forum in my Discord, which is going public last week for people listening to this. But this week for us, who exist in the past, because I'm, I'm. Oh my god! I'm, so Sinan low tax codes. There we go. No, 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 no. Elon Musk is doing low tax stuff. Anyway, look. Yeah, this is true. Different. I feel like we should just have a different podcast for this exact type of conversation. We should, <laughs> we should just have another podcast where we do this instead of this one, which we just, which we just derail for the first like ten minutes of the recording because. I have to edit these. Uh, I listen to them and I'm like, oh, okay, when are we going to get to the Turkish stuff? And it's like nine <laughs> minutes on the time. Yeah. And I'm like, why does anyone listen to this? Jumping like, straight in. Yeah, jumping straight in at 40 minutes. Um, 
<laughs> no, but seriously, let's jump. Let's jump in. So, Ben, Jamie, uh, I'm I'm just going off a, a read of you two that I've got through through our time together on the Hell website and on the podcast. I don't think you two are big into the football, are you? No, not really. No. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. So this this is, presents an interesting problem. I um, <laughs> I once claimed to claimed to be Peter Beardsley while pissed out my mind. Uh, hmm. I've never seen. Will, I've never seen a just, pic of Jamie, so I don't know if that's believable or not. But oh, yeah. it's, it's very much not. Okay. not I, I just, I just occasionally pretend to be into football, but entirely for sectarian purposes. Oh, I'm not Celtic. actually interested. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> that's pretty much my only interest in uh, Scottish football is supporting Celtic. So you know, pure, purely along that line. <laughs> Even even though like the only notable Scottish Reading player who was like from Scotland properly, not just Scottish born in England, um, was Rangers manager for a bit. Oof. Yeah, Oof. Graham. Well, to be fair, like Reading are fucking good. They they got super mad at people uh, cheering about Thatcher dying. The fans and I was like, this is an embarrassing fan base to be part of. <laughs> I'm still petitioning the club to change his nickname back from the Royals to the Biscuit Men. Let's do it. <laughs> back to the, the Biscuit, Biscuit Men. Man. Yeah, because um, this is not turkey-related, clearly. We're doing the thing again. But there was um, <laughs> there was a famous biscuit brand from Reading called Huntley and Palmer's. And, and um, yeah, it's, Reading has, like, they were, like, Reading, when it was, like, an industrial town, had free bees. It was bulbs, like light bulbs, biscuits and beer. So we had like a Simmons brewery and the Huntley Palmer's biscuit place, and I don't know what the light bulb one is. I think they just threw that in there because they were grasping. But <laughs> back was... to the biscuit men sounds like the title of a Sylvester McCoy Doctor Who story. Hell yes, <laughs> but yeah, please rename the rename the club. Move move on from this royal shot. If I if I become like the supreme dictator of Berkshire somehow, I'm just gonna going to ban- forcibly rename the club. Although that is kind of in the spirit of what we're going to be talking about in part today. Because we're talking about the football. Because to be honest, last the last episode was what we might call a little heavy. Uh, little, yeah, little it, bit was, heavy. it was very depressing. Yeah. This is depressing in the sense that it says a lot about society. I'm not doing a joke a bit. It, it, it says a lot about a society. But also, there are some, there are some antics. There's some clownishness. There's even a Scottish person involved, actually. Oh, no. Yeah. A Scottish person who I think votes Tory. So it's, oh. even, it's even fucking better than that. We found one of the, like, 20 Scottish Tories, and it happens to be involved in one of the anecdotes or stories. I mean, it was on captured on video, so it's literally true. Uh, one of the things that we'll probably talk about. We're going to talk about the football, because in the 50s in Turkey, a little thing happened called the founding of the Super League, or it's called the Super League now. It was, it's the Mili League back then, the National League. Because, I, I don't know, you two won't know about how football leagues traditionally form and stuff like that, because why the fuck would you? Why does anyone know that? But in most countries, what happened was you had a bunch of regional leagues, you know, like you'd have a London League or a fucking Liverpool League or whatever. But because you couldn't, like, travel, there was no way to organise matches across the whole country for a while you just had of course you know you would just have like small local leagues because you play who you come come across basically yeah and it was the same in turkey until like 1957 when they tried to do this but 1959 is when they actually managed to make it stick yeah the super league is uh kind of an insane entertainment product and also means of funneling money to allies (laughs) because of course it is uh-huh. Yeah. Obviously it didn't obviously it started out as just like, well, shouldn't we have a national league? Because sending a cup winner to play in Europe every year makes us look like fucking losers. And also the fact that we have three regional leagues. You'll note that Turkey has more than three regions. Yeah. They're like quite big. Yeah, they're like, aren't we like kind of causing problems here by just because the three regional leagues were Istanbul, Izmir, and Ankara. So, oh. so you've, you've missed out, like, most of the country, you know, but just by that alone. So, yeah, they, 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 they try and merge these leagues, and 
it's uh, it's a pretty successful story. I would. It's a rare case of like something happening in Turkey in the fifties actually sticking to now and being quite successful. So you know we have a national league. That's good. But the, the formation... you say that, but all those all those people they killed like are still dead. So oh yeah, that is true. <laughs> they didn't come back when the Super League was founded. No, I said uh, it doesn't. It doesn't wash anything away. Sadly. But yeah, yeah, there were so there were actually previous leagues, right? There was the Turkish Football Championship and the National Division, which were national championships uh, established in like 1923-ish, I think. In one case, it might literally have been 1923. Uh, yeah, it was 1924. I was right, and the domestic cup was the Prime Minister's Cup because you couldn't have like you know the King's Cup or whatever because there's no fucking king. So you had to name it after the most important person you could find who would be bothered by it. Like, Prime Minister's Cup, sure. Why not? Why not? The is- they may as well call it the Isma Inonu Cup. Yeah. That's what they may as well have fucking called it. Now, one of the funny um, sort of twists in these sort of uh, predecessor leagues is that the team that had won the most championships, one is Fenerbahce, which is a club that people, if you've heard of football in Turkey, will know. They're one of the three big clubs in Turkey and Istanbul in particular. But the other team that's won the most titles in the sort of na- first National League was the war school. The military the, the military academy. The school oh, where incredible. you go to learn war. Yeah, they won they won three titles. Fenerbahce won three. It seems like it was a much more even league than the um than the ones that succeeded it because the Super League has been won by alright, I'm gonna see if I can name every team that's won the Super League in one go. Uh Godsarai, Fenerbahce, Besiktas, Trabzonspor. Okay, here's where it gets difficult. Bursa Spor and Bashakshahir. So six teams in uh sixty-three years. Which is not not a great rate of sort of success, I think, for distributing titles. When you consider that one of those teams has won it twenty-two times, the end, the, and then the second and third have won it nineteen and sixteen times, respectively. Oof. Yeah. Oh, I was right. I checked. I just checked the list. I was right. I got it correct. Um, Bashak Shahir are interesting, actually. Bashak Shahir, uh, Erdogan's little pet project. You know, he he, yeah. he obviously has a investment in football, kind of like how Vladimir Putin, you know, constantly plays ice hockey. Or played ice hockey. I think he's a bit old to even play with people who are letting him win now. But he would play ice hockey and score like 800 points or whatever. I don't know how ice hockey works. I went, I went, to, I went to one ice hockey match in my life. And it was... Uh, so in Nottingham, they, we have two unis. And the unis do like a series of sports competitions against each other. Uh, called Varsity. And I went to the ice hockey one year and I just got fucking blasted. Like, I just showed, nice. I just showed up. Drank. A, un- a previously unknown number of pints, to be fair, <laughs> and just had a fucking blast. You know, what could, can, uh, can anyone blame me? You know, isn't that what ice hockey is all about? You know, turning up absolutely like pissed out your mind and watching a bunch of people wail on each other. That's right. I completely agree. That is what it's about, and I'm a, I'm a hundred percent pleased that I got to live in that great tradition. <laughs> so I was, I was thinking about like, what stories do I want to tell? What stories do I want to tell about Turkish football? Because I sent you a few videos of, like, serious stuff, right? Mm. You know, the, the serious, the, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a political thing, match fixing, you know, Erdogan pretending he had a professional, he had a shot at being a professional footballer, all, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I've got to tell you about uh, Graham Sunez, the Scottish person I was alluding to earlier, and what he was up to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why not? So it is so it's the Turkish Cup it's the it's the cup not the they don't call it the prime minister's cup anymore but it's just called the Turkish Cup it's the Turkish Cup and it's the final now the thing is in Turkey at the time there wasn't like a national stadium that no team played in right like um there there wasn't uh you know like you wouldn't uh, you know like how we have Wembley in England right like yeah. that's yeah. the national stadium no one owns the stadium you know that's all. That's all. Um, that's all fine and cool and everything else. In, in the Turkish Cup, you have to play two legs because there's no national stadium at the time because uh, they just didn't have one. There wasn't a stadium that was of sufficient quality to justify 
having the cup in it. Mm. That, that wasn't someone else's stadium. Because you don't want, if you're Fenerbahce, you don't want to play the Turkish Cup final at Ali Sami Yen, which was the Gardsaray Stadium. You don't want to play it there. Because, like, what's the fucking point? Just ha- But you also can't play it in your own stadium. Because that's unfair to the opponent, right? Right, you didn't have a neutral ground. Yeah. So there's no neutral ground. So the decision is, okay, great. Let's have the the cup final be over two legs. We play one in someone uh, in like you know Galatasaray Stadium. We play one in Fenerbahce Stadium. Yeah. Great, fantastic. Uh, I'm sure that's going to work out really well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it might surprise you to know that this gets uh, this gets weird real quick. So it's Turkey being weird. I I, I can't believe it. <laughs> All right, hold on. Let me let me get let me get a picture of the of the or some of the artistic renderings even of the event itself. I'm going to show you a picture of the state of the fans celebrating this event, commemorating it in the stands. By the way, Turkish football crowds have a reputation for a reason. I'm going to stick this in episode notes for you all, but. There you go. Yeah, this is them commemorating the event. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Like, it's, I've been to a Turkish football match. It's fucking insane. It's an insane atmosphere. It's great. Uh, there's a lot less hooliganism than there was once upon a time. Just avoid the derby matches generally, and it's probably fine. Because um, <laughs> people still get pretty intense about it. So this is, this is kind of the first dipshit incident I want to refer to. So... Graham Sunez, the Scottish Tory. I think he's a Tory. I feel like I'm being really hor- awful to a Scottish person if he's not actually a Tory. Um, <laughs> Gonna have to look him up for a moment here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw something about him being a Tory, and I posted that picture, the picture of him actually doing the act, which uh, he he looks like a uh, he looks like a very 1980s manager in 1990. But yeah, here's the he act- does. here's the actual picture of uh, Graham Sunez doing the actual act. There, there he is. So the Turkish Cup final is held. Um, so first of all, they have it in Ali Samiyen, which is the Galatasaray Stadium. Great, fine, not a big deal. They go to the Fenerbahce Stadium, uh, and they win the first match one 0 uh, in in Ali Samiyen. Yeah, you know, like match, you know, matches between these two clubs are very, very close. In fact, funnily, it was a Welsh striker who scored. Um, I think he was a striker. I think Dean Saunders was a striker. It was a Welsh player who scored. So, you know, all of Britain's getting in on this one. And Fenerbahce score in the second leg. It's 1-0 at the end of the match, so you have to play extra time. Gardsaray score with four minutes left of the match. Like, there are, there are literally four minutes left. So it's like last second, everyone is super pissed off about it or really, really happy about it. Graham Sunez. Now, to be clear, Graham Sunez is advised at the time. And he says this later, like, don't do anything, don't say anything, don't, you know, don't taunt the fans, don't do any of that. Uh-oh. So what does he do? He finds a, a flag in the Gardsaray colours. He's not just planting a Catalan flag in the middle of the, <laughs> in the, middle of the thing. And you've got to remember, these two teams hate each other. So in, Gardsar- in Istanbul, there are three big teams, right? There's Gardsaray, Fenerbahce, Besiktas. Besiktas, I, I like, your Besiktas are like little brother, you know? Like, no one, it's, it's sort of done for the show because they're competitive, but they're very much the little brother in the dynamic. Although they are catching up to Fenerbahce's numbers, so maybe not for long. But, you know, because the Fenerbahce Gardsaray thing, there's a little bit of like different sides of Istanbul. So Gardsaray is based in Europe, Fenerbahce is based in Asia. There's a bit more, whereas Besiktas is also on Europe, so it's a bit, bit muted Ooh. in comparison. But these two teams hate each other. Like, basically, every groups of um, groups of ultras would go around stabbing each other in the ass before, oh, before, during, and after matches. Like real prison style shit. Oh, absolutely. Like, and it's also you know, the the fan groups are you know linked to organized crime and all this other stuff. Of course, it is. You know, it was the eighties and nineties, and to be honest, probably a bit of the two thousands where that was going on. And Graham Sooners gets this flag, runs out into the middle. I will remind you, this is Fenerbahce's stadium, their stadium. And just plants the flag in the middle, ca- hell, causing uh, a little bit, what we might call some disturbance. We do a little bit of trolling. We do a little <laughs> bit of trolling, I suppose. 
Jesus. Yeah, it was uh it was a choice. Uh he he gets asked about it every chance he he gets, you know, every every chance people get they ask him about it because it's uh obviously uh, quite an iconic moment because the fans do remember it. Mm. But yeah, people people quite like um People in God Sorry hold him uh, in quite high regard uh, because he went and even though he was kind of a failure as a manager, like he wasn't, he wasn't a great manager for the club, but he's he's sort of cemented himself in legend by being a dick to the team that we don't yeah. like. Which, you know, what can you do? You know, um... <laughs> who would who would have thought that a former player manager of Rangers would be be stoking tensions on the pitch like that? The, yeah, the <laughs> thing is, it's not even like a sectarian tension. He's just decided. <laughs> he's just decided this is the moment for me to cause problems. And it's like, well, what can you what can you say to say to a man who's just that ruthlessly committed to to ruining to ruining massive cities? You know. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't <laughs> think a, a Tory and a unionist would like cause problems with a flag yeah seems so out of character <laughs> yeah that's right how how did this happen <laughs> but yeah that's that's kind of a mild story as well that's a that's a reasonably mild uh you know story that came out of this team it's just easing us in so it is yeah there's a there's a lot uh there's a lot going on i'm trying to look at the list of god sorry managers just to make sure i've got my history here right also god sorry were managed by a scottish person called george dick yes <laughs> who who won 70 percent of the matches he managed to be fair he, i think he was actually their manager for the first super league season actually that's pretty funny george let dick up, let me look up this george he was dick a character. scots guardsman oh no Oh, wow, you're just getting all the fucking staunch, aren't you? George White's <laughs> Dick is his full name. <laughs> Here's a picture of George White Dick. Fuck, you know. He does suffer from Scott face a little bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> severe Scott face. Yeah, so. Not quite of the John Duncan variety, but... Um, <laughs> not... <laughs> I, I like how it's in black and white, but you can just be absolutely sure that those cheeks and that nose are absolutely, like, beetroot red. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, a, a, a rare... A lot of Scottish connection, but yeah, we're getting a lot of uh, a type of Scottish guy showing up here. Let's... Uh, let's uh, oh, we got a Yugoslav at least. Okay, that's good. But where, where's Graham Sunez? Who, who came after Graham Sunez? Ah, yeah, it was Fatih Terim, yeah. Fatih Terim was like a, a massively successful manager. So Graham Sunez is there for his season. He wins the Turkish Cup. It's not good enough. He has to go, right? Oh. Which you know, because because remember this team's in it to win it. They 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 win the. They, remember this is the most successful team in the history of this competition. If you don't win the league, you are the biggest loser, basically. Damn. Yeah. yeah. You got. It's like being Tory leader and not becoming prime minister. Oof. Yeah. I, I will say that there was one reasonably funny occurrence of uh, an interim manager taking over. So basically, there was a German manager in charge of God. Sorry, called Karl Heinz Feldkamp. Who uh, who did a pretty good job, but I believe the team were like third or second, and not a really strong third or second. And he was sacked with like six games left, so they just get a random member of staff basically to take over. And what he does is he wins every game and wins the league. Oh, fuck. <laughs> he doesn't even. This is the thing that drives me mad. He doesn't even get the job afterwards. He doesn't even get the job full time. He wins every. He has the best statistical record of any manager for God's sake in history. One hundred percent, six wins, thirteen goals, four free against, and he won the Super League. Perfect. No notes, and he just he just retired a champ. <laughs> like, what can you say to that? Sort of footballing Cincinnati, was it? Yeah, I guess because he he went back to being an assist an assistant coach. Which is huh. very funny to me. He ended up he ended up briefly managing in Azerbaijan and then back in another team in Turkey. Never quite reached the heights of those six games because because he, he has literally never won a game since. Oh shit! Yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose if you're gonna get it all done in one go, that was the fucking time to do it. You know, <laughs> pull it out of your ass at the last second for this team. But yeah. So there are, there are other insane stories. So I'm going to tell you about uh, the time where a score mix-up led to a riot. Yes. Yeah. 
Let's yeah. fucking go with them. All right. So it's the final day of the season. Uh, there are two teams in contention. One of them is Fenerbahce, right? Mm-hmm. Hold on, I've just looked up riots and it came to like Fenerbahce riot and it came up with a million results. Oh my God. <laughs> and it came up with a new start. This is actually the story. Fenerbahce fans set fire to own ground after losing title and final match. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's the headline for you. So, okay, there are two teams in contention. One is Fenerbahce, who are one of the traditional powerhouses in Turkey, right? They mm. are the second, by statistically, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Galatasaray fan, it's, not, it's nothing like that. They are statistically the second best team in Super League history. So they, so they go into this heavy favourites, because they are ahead on the final day. The other team that is in contention is Bursaspor. Now, Bursaspor have this, like, I, I think that Bursaspor's team might have been the best one the Super League ever had, but people will get very mad at me if I say that. So we're not going to say it. Although I did just say it. I'm being really Trump <laughs> about it. Are we going to say it? No, we're not going to say it. Actually, let's say it. But Many people are saying it. Many people are saying it. Now, to be fair, I say that because, one, they made a really, really good management choice, and two, a lot of the team were made up of players who if we're being honest, a lot of the big clubs did not give a fuck about. Uh And and it's the final match. So Fenerbahce are playing, I believe they're playing, um, who are they they playing? Oh, well, it doesn't really matter in the end, did it, I guess? (laughs) And Trabzonspor and Fenerbahce have a specific rivalry with each other. It's really weird, because Trabzonspor are sort of the fourth club. Because they've won the league quite a few times, they're quite, you know, they're quite, uh, they're quite a good team generally. In fact, they they are the current reigning champions of the Super League, which is uh, you know mm-hmm. good for them. I I I I have no. I well, actually I do have a little bit of ill will towards Trabzonspor to be fair, because <laughs> um, yeah, actually I got my teams mixed up for that previous season. It was Sivasspor who did really well. The Brusaspor did come sixth, so you know I I recall that was some weird team that did really well. And also, God, sorry, I did very bad, but we're not going to think about that. We're just going to move swiftly on. So, Borussia Sport are playing Besiktas. Fenerbahce are ahead by one point. So, if Fenerbahce draw and Borussia Sport don't win, great. Fenerbahce win the league, right? If uh-huh. Borussia Sport win and Fenerbahce lose or draw, they win the league. And we're going into the final minutes of it. And Borussia Sport are, are drawing with Besiktas. And they're playing Besiktas at home. And Fenerbahce's match against Trabzonspor finishes with a little bit earlier than the other match. So they finish, and it's a 1-1 draw. And Fenerbahce are told through the Tannoy that they have won the league. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so everyone's like, yeah, fuck yeah, we won the league. Fuck, you know, and, and you know, as you would do, they are celebrating. Because, you know, okay, they got a good enough result against their hated rival. Uh, you know, Borussia Sport didn't win the league. You're one closer to Galatasaray's record. It's, it's good. It's a good time. Borussia Sport score, like, the last, last second against Besiktas and win. Meaning that they overtook Fenerbahce. Oh. And that announcement was made a little bit after people had started celebrating. <laughs> Which resulted in what some might call the most unnecessary riot in history, because they ended up burning their own stadium. <laughs> and um, yeah, that that was a thing that happened. It was seems um, seems very Philadelphia. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, um, I will just say that this league is famous for having a team. This season, this season of the league is famous for having a team. That finished with zero points. Ooh. Who was yeah. that? Yeah. So. That was me. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what happened is. Um, so there are two teams in Ankara. Well, there are many teams in Ankara, but there are two teams in Ankara that matter here. One is Ankara Guja, who are, um, you know, they're kind of, uh, you know, middling team at best a lot of the time you know there's nothing nothing remarkable about this club there's another club based in Ankara called Ankara Sport which is you know go figure right yeah I think you can see yeah. a pattern with the 
team names. <laughs> um, now, what happened was the Football Federation discovered that a lot of the uh, directors and governors of Ankara Guja and Ankara Sport were basically inappropriate for people who were for teams that are competing against each other, right? Like their family, their friends, there's all this other stuff. They have business relationships with each other that are inappropriate. And so what they did to Ankara Sport was they basically disqualified them. They, they counted every single match for Ankara Sport as a 3-0 win for the opposite team. They were just like, they were, so you have this spectacle of like Ankara Sport relegated, zero wins, zero draws, 34 losses, zero goals and 102 against. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and like, it's fucking brutal. And, uh, and this is a thing, like, uh, this is a thing that can happen in Turkey. This is by far the least scandalous scandal that's happened in, in relation to team ownership in Turkey, I think. Because there, there's a lot going on, right? This is a nice segue into some of the stuff in the videos. Yeah. Because we have a team in Turkey that is a bit different. It's a bit different. It's a, it's a weird team, and it's called Ist Istanbul Başakşehir. Now, Istanbul Başakşehir started out life as like Istanbul Belediyespor or something like that. Basically, the city municipal team. It was a city team, and this is something that people kind of look at and think is weird because it's like so the city council has a football team. It's like yes, that that's normal. Hmm. Like city councils in Turkey own football teams, even even companies like you know, will sponsor football teams and get their names, like, state-owned companies. I think Ankara Gujar are sponsored by, like, the state arms manufacturer or something. Amazing. Yeah, the... Uh, the... That, 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 that does feel vaguely Soviet. I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, they're, they're sponsored by the Mechanical and Chemical Industry Corporation, which is uh, basically uh, the, the sort of the company that supplies the armed forces with general military products. Cool. MKE. Um, which is, uh, yeah, like, it's essentially sponsored by, I think, is the relationship, you know. It's the, it's the factory team. It's the, you know. Yeah. It's, it, it's not, um, no, that's not, um, it's not Spartak that's uh, the, the factory. Anyway, it's, you know, it's one of, it's that sort of team. And yeah, so there's this team Bashak Shahir. Now Bashak Shahir are um are the municipal team. But there's something interesting about them as a municipal team. So Turkish football clubs generally are fan associations. So like I can be a member of a Galatasaray, right? I can go and be an official member of the club. Because it's not just a football club, it's a basketball club, it's a, you know, volleyball club, it's a Women's volleyball club specifically. Um, less thought about that, the better. Um, it's all it's all sorts of stuff like that, right? It, it, they football like the reason they're like uh, you know like Trubs on Sport or Istanbul Sport or stuff like that, right? Is because they're not just football clubs. Yeah. Or, or it's uh -huh. like or it's like God sorry SK. It's like sports sport club, right? Sports club. Or Besiktasha JK, which is just kidding. No, it's a gymnasium, Gym gymnastic club. You know. So they're, they're, uh -huh. they are a gymnasium, literally a gymnasium, right? Like, you go there with your Pokemon and there's a leader and you have to battle him and you get a badge. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what Besiktas is. Come, that's what come to Besiktas means. It's actually a challenge for a Pokemon battle. Anyway. <laughs> come to you want an ass kicking. <laughs> yeah, come to Besiktas if you want an ass kicking specifically for your Pikachu. Um, Fantastic. Ash Ketchum, come to Besiktas. The revolution's <laughs> happening. <laughs> oh, what am I doing? Anyway, um, so they're all fan-based associations, but Bashak Shahir is actually a privately owned football club. Like, there's no law that says... It's not like Germany, where there's a law that stipulates a certain percentage of the club has to be owned by this or that, or anything like that. It's very much like a European football club in that way. Ah. Like, a, an English football club, almost. Like, because European... Like, Spain and Italy and places like that do have this... And Germany have this fan association. There are, like, some things where they have to pretend, but, like, more or less, this is a privately-owned club. And they are owned by an ally of Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Of course. And Erdogan claims to have founded the club because 
it's an Istanbul municipal club, he was the mayor of Istanbul. Yeah. So he claims to have founded the club. Now, that's, that's, all, that's all fine, you know, whatever. Like, I, I don't, like, my general position on football club ownership is that they shouldn't be owned as financial assets or as, you know, weird political assets either, I guess. I feel like that's not ideal either, but I can't. What are you, some kind of communist? Yes, but also... Carry on. But yes, that's the easy <laughs> way to disarm that. Just be like, yeah, so what if I have? Like, <laughs> like when a member of my family got told in 2017 on the doorstep that Jeremy Corbyn was a terrorist sympathizer, and he said, yeah, so am I. <laughs> yes! <laughs> we'll not be naming that member of the family. But, um... <laughs> Incredible scenes. Just this poor young Tory lass just like dropped all oh. her leaflets on the doorstep because she was stunned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, king shit. Absolute just, king like, shit. Dead, apparently the delivery was dead pad. It was incredible. I wish I was there for it. I was away. Um, I, was, I was away being a mark and campaigning in that election. But anyway. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, I guess that's a 2017 story no one's been told yet. <laughs> um, Didn't even have to put that in the bonus. That's amazing. Yeah, that one. That one everyone gets for free because it was it was too good to ignore. So, uh, Bashak Shahir eventually win the Super League, and they do it with n- not a little bit of suspicion because people look at this connection between Erdogan and the club chairman and the fact that it was the municipal team and they go is is has have we been done in here has there been some politics going on now in fairness to to Bashak Shahir they built a really good team like I look I, I know you two are not football people but you can take my word for it when I say that team probably would have fucking won the league like it's good enough to have won the league they did really good scouting they did basically what um what Borussia Sport did a decade ago, which was they found players that no one was really bothered about in the in the in the top teams. They deliberately yeah. picked really good value players and had a very flat level of quality across the squad, except for a few high quality players they got from abroad, which just added the extra spark. They won. They won by four points. They won with sixty nine points, which you know, nice, yeah, you know, great, good, good for them. Yeah. And I like your uh, I like your description of us as not football people there, uh, Alan Partridge. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, how so? Uh, they're not they're not football people then. Um, <laughs> that was basically my Keir Starmer, but I feel like it's functionally the same character anyway. So, it is, yeah. So like, I don't I don't know how how else to do that. Um, obviously, this was a season with another scandal, which was the financial fair play issue, where Travs on Sport were not allowed to play in Europe. But you know, rest in piss, I guess. Um, but this this day, this season was played behind closed doors, and the thing is, like one of the things that Istanbul Başak didn't have was actual fans, because no one gave a fuck about this team. No one gives. If you live in Turkey, there is an eight in ten chance that you support Galatasaray, Fenerbahçe, or Besiktas. That's it. Eighty percent of people support those three clubs. Yeah. No yeah. one gives a fuck about Istanbul Başak even they won the title, no one gave a fuck about them, basically. <laughs> Which is, basically, everyone, the, the attitude I got from it, from casual observation of, like, how everyone was feeling, was that basically everyone's preference was, even if they hated the other club, for a real club to win, like an actual <laughs> football club, because they're like, yeah, well, we don't want this fucking fake team to win. We would rather Trubs on Spool win, although admittedly they violated the rules, so they wouldn't have. Yeah, that's not that's not all Erdogan does with football. Like, it's not all of his involvement. So, do you two know about Erdogan's football career at all? Um, well, from Vaguely. the homework, I, yeah. I got the impression he was like he was the Turkish Vinnie Jones. Um, yeah, in a, in a way, <laughs> he um, so he plays for um, so he's from Kasımpasha, uh, which is a, a kind of relatively uh, poor district in Istanbul. Um, and he plays for um, a local team called Jami Altosport. Uh, Jami Alta might literally mean like by the mosque, basically under the mosque. Like you know, they're they're play- It's a mosque team, basically. Yeah. Uh, and it it fits with Erdogan's general uh, persona because he 
projects this, you know, socially conservative, pious persona when it suits him. Uh, to be clear, sometimes it doesn't suit him, but he pre- he presents that uh, he presents that um, that persona, and so coming from that team makes a lot of sense. And he ends up moving to another club, and the the basically the main rumor around him is his claim that he was almost signed by Fenerbahce. Right, uh, yeah. you know, you, you know, you know how like in it, there's always this ball down the pub who's like, if it weren't for the knee injury, I'd have been yeah. playing uh-huh. for, I'd have been playing for Manchester United. Not that anyone wants to play for him anymore, but like, I'd have been playing for Manchester United or whoever. And it's like you've basically done the strongman version of that because there is some investigations done into it that people have done where they're like. Yeah, I mean, he he was probably like a fringe player at this semi-professional club. wasn't very good. In fact, uh, one per- one particularly anti-Erdogan journalist was like he was the assistant to the kit man. Oh, like, fuck. was it even fucking playing? He's assistant to the kit man. Useless prat that he is. And I find that one a very funny sort of yeah. possibility. Imagine but- though, imagine though, if he tried to claim like political cred by claiming he was in charge of the shorts. <laughs> I, I I imagine him trying I imagine that now if any football club ever tried to get Erdogan that he would have Gollum on his shirt. <laughs> like, oh yes. Like I, I yeah. But this is this is actually one of those things about Turkish football as like a cultural institution. You need to be connected to it in some fashion. Right? Like this is something that look, I look, I was born in Reading. I have no real fucking, you know, cause to support a team that's not Reading. I fucking have a Turkish team, right? Like, I, and it's one of the big three. It, it like reaches into your mind, even, and you need to have some kind of. It helps lend credibility to you, and it's also an important sort of area for you know making connections. And if you're a rich guy, important place for making connections, you know, building a reputation, a building popularity, even because. It has so much cultural clout. It's almost like an alternative center of power. It's not going to challenge the state or nothing because the state, you know, when have you heard of a football club doing a military coup? You know, it is almost an alternative site of power. And part of the reason Erdogan really wants Başak Şehir to take off and why it appears that certain sponsorships from state-owned companies and government companies were overinflated in value is to funnel money to this club so that it can compete with the big three plus trubs on sport. Or yeah. who or whoever uh, or who uh, or whomever is doing well. And part of it is because he wants to well, because right, I'll tell you about the first public booing Erdogan ever got in Turkey. The first time he was ever booed in public. He so Godsarai's old stadium was Ali Samiyen, and it's like a nice stadium, you know, a bit small for a club that's playing in Champions League or whatever. And very old. I think it was still mostly made of wood at the time. <laughs> like, Jesus. It was, it, it was old. It was, I think it was actually a fire hazard. I'm not even kidding. And so they build a new stadium. Um, I think it's in Floria in Istanbul. But Erdogan comes to open the stadium because the stadiums... And by the way, this is part of a program in Turkey of construction. Because Turkey underwent a massive construction boom in the 2000s. And part of it was fueled by government investment in projects, you know. Uh, Fuck. Yeah. So just imagine, imagine a government building things. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's unbelievable. <laughs> but like, but part of it was government investment in projects. Now, a lot of this is road building, which, you know, okay, I'm not, I'm not a personal car, personal vehicle person, but some places in Turkey genuinely needed fucking roads, you know. They were still, yeah. they were in a Did fucking they, uh... state. Did they ever build a, a tunnel to Northern Ireland? No, they never quite got around to doing that. But I'll tell you what they did do. They built, uh, at least as far as I'm aware, they were quite new. They built tunnels through some of the mountains, sort of hills and mountains, on your way out of Istanbul, so that you didn't have to take a ferry to get out of there. Because otherwise you would have to drive up some pretty dodge roads to, yeah. to sort of get to anywhere um, east of Istanbul. So I think, yeah... And also there's like highway construction, airports, again, not a fan of domestic flights, but also Turkey is huge. So I'm not sure how, how people are going to get around that. Uh, you know, the airports, um, you know, nice municipal buildings, apartments, uh, earthquake-proof apartments, 
you know, things like things of this nature. But one of the things they like to do is build stadiums because stadiums are one, a nice way to hand the contract to someone who or whomever, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not, not being specific about it. And it's a way of showing that this particular club or institution or president of a club, because remember presidents of football clubs in Turkey are elected by the membership, which makes, Oh. By the way, it makes God Sarai more democratic than the Labour Party. Fantastic. <laughs> and basically every Turkish football club, by the way, except Başakşehir, I think, and maybe Osmanlı Spor. I think Osmanlı Spor are also an Erdogan-adjacent project, but they're also based in Ankara, so no one gives a fuck about them, uh, at least in football terms. Sorry um, to anyone who supports Genschlag, really, or anything like that. Uh, I know you're a good football club who did a very cool scouting trick, but you know, that was 2004. Move with the times, guys. Anyway, they, uh, yeah, so he comes to, so God, sorry, is probably the first major club to get one of these stadiums. And it's a, you know, elegant, you know, modern stadium, one of the highest quality stadiums in Europe. And Erdogan comes to open it because he's the prime minister at the time. And it's his uh-huh. government that's funded the project. So he gets to come and open it. Immediately, he gets booed by the crowd, and it and it genuinely almost comes out of nowhere for him because you've got to remember up until this point, and I realize what we've done is we've taken something from the 1950s and used it as an excuse to talk about now, which I mm. which I suppose might be a bit more of a well, we'll see how it goes basically, but basically this is mostly a break episode to be honest. But what it what it looked like was it just caught him completely offside to to if you excuse the. Um, use of the offside rule there, I guess. But it, explain in football terms. Yeah, explain in football terms. They literally call yeah. them offside. You'll have, because, to, you'll have to spell out to us what that rule means because we're not football people. Oh no, I'm not doing that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing. <laughs> there's a scene in every 2000s British sitcom of either the main character or their son explaining to a woman the offside rule with a salt shaker. <laughs> and I'm just not gonna fucking do that. I'm not doing it. Like it's. Amazing. Outrageously irritating to even think about. So, (laughs) you got to remember, like, for all of the uh, autocracy and erosion of democratic norms and so on, Erdogan at this point is really popular. Like, and I and I don't and I'm not and I don't think there was much in the way of leaning, you know, putting a thumb on the scale on ballots or polls or anything like that. Like, this is a government. That has done reasonably well, even in the aftermath of the of the 2008 crash, it's doing reasonably well. Now, admittedly, that's where some cracks probably begin to show, that leads to that big rupture in 2013, which we will get to one day, uh, probably presumably in 2027 or something. We'll get to that. <laughs> but, but he is legitimately popular, and he's not faced any public displeasure, public displays of displeasure with his government. Until he comes to Galatasaray, and the fact because the fans feel emboldened because they are part of or feel part of a cultural institution with a lot of clout, and Erdogan basically can't easily reach into these institutions and diminish their power or co-opt them because they are, in essence, too big to fail and too big to fuck with. It's it's kind of like if if like Liverpool you know, effectively started the sort of the countdown on Rishi Sunak being kicked out of office. Yeah. Like, it, like, it felt because, you know, once people start booing you in public, other people are going to boo you in public. Like, yeah, people are going to... seal on it. Yeah, and actually one of the funny things is, so the live broadcast, as soon as they realised they were booing him, they cut out the crowd sound from the live broadcast. And in subsequent oh, broadcasts, cool. they, didn't sh- they didn't play any of the booing, but everyone knew it happened. Like yeah. everyone knew that it, that he got booed, and like you know, like George Osborne getting booed at the Olympics, like it, mm. you know, at least he sat there and took it. At the very least, sorry, it was the Paralympics he got booed at. At least he sat there and took it. Like Erdogan didn't even let the news fucking <laughs> replay the booing noise because he's such a fucking baby. To be fair, I think in, in George Osborne's case, he actually just sort of reveled in it after a few seconds. Oh, absolutely. He looked like he was yeah. fucking high at that, by the way. Can I just say? Well, yeah. when, when did he not look like he was fucking high? Yeah, that's yeah. true. But, like, uh, to be fair, I, I can't stand this fucking stupid face, so... No. Um, 
yeah. I, don't, I don't tend to pay close attention to when he looks high and when he doesn't. But it, so yeah, these are cultural institutions that are big and relevant because I was talking about the event in 2013. One of the things that happened at Gezi Park in 2013 was that all of the fan groups basically set aside, you know, their what we might call sectarian difference and uh, basically all just beat the shit out of the police together. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, there was actually one very funny um, and famous moment where Besiktas fans, um, they got their, um, they uh, they stole a, I think it was like a digger or something like that, and they used it to, like, attack an armoured vehicle that the police had deployed. <laughs> I wasn't if I could find a YouTube video of it. It's one of these incredible... I know, I know the, like, oh, the joking God. nickname they gave it, because, yeah, it was incredible. It was just one of these things where it's, like, um, it's absolutely insane. Hold on. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Their, so their fan group is called Charsha, which is also what we, uh, what my, um, what my family called the black and white cat that uh, hangs out at the house because um, that's the colour of the club. But yeah, here's a video of it for you all. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. so this is of the protest. But basically, you're seeing the fans um, <laughs> drive who have commandeered this digger and are driving it through the streets, <laughs> which, is, um, which is just incredible to me. And uh, yeah, they, they, it was an excavator, according to the subtitles. And yeah, the um, the uh, the armored vehicles are called Poma in Turkish. That's incredible. But yeah, you can see the fans on there, and they're having a great time. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's an iconic moment, certainly. It, it's certainly an iconic moment. But yeah, you you get the idea of what the what the situation was. We'll definitely talk about the events of 2013 onwards in Turkey. You know, in 2027, like I said. <laughs> Sorry, I've just been sent something on Discord. But yeah, so that was that was what was going on. And these fan groups set aside their uh, their their deep hatred of each other to fight the cops, which is, I think, very cool. <laughs> I, sh- oh man, yes. Should we do? Should we do the? Uh, should we do the match fixing scandal? Because I feel like that leans into a lot of particular stuff about Turkey as well. So should we do? Yeah, the I ma- think. Yeah. Okay. The, so- being hilariously corrupt is a very recurring theme. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. So let's 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 flash forward ahead of 2013 to 2015. Uh, the ch- the the president of Fenerbahce is a gentleman called Aziz Yildirim. Uh, I don't. I I personally think he did it. Uh, to, and this is not like sour grapes or anything for anyone gets at me about that. Basically, there's a four-year ongoing match-fixing case. Not ongoing now, but at the time it was um, it was going. Ben Arbacher basically are implicated in a in a match-fixing scandal. Nineteen matches are investigated, and a bunch of players, managers, and directors are investigated. And there is a footballer who's called Ibrahim Akin. Who, um, who basically says, yeah, like, uh, I was involved in match-fixing. I did it. I, done, I did that, folks. The thing is, Besiktas and Fenerbahce win the Super League and the, um, and the Turkish Cup, respectively. And Trabzonspor are pissed off, because Trabzonspor came second this season. There's the alleged season of match-fixing. And I will say, remembering some of the matches, there were some very strange, uh, very unlikely mistakes made by certain players. In some matches, I I, I want no. yeah. So there's a goalkeeper. So there's one particular match that stands out to me, where there's a goalkeeper and I've forgotten his name, but I remember this goalkeeper basically pulling out like top tier, like he was being scouted by like higher Turkish clubs, and a little bit of European noise was made around him, and he might have been picked for Turkey. He basically fumbles two of the easiest shots I've ever seen for a goalkeeper to save into his own net. In the same match, like if it if it was one in one match, you could go well, you know, happens, you know. Yeah. So, some sometimes you just fuck it, and you know this, and that's okay. You know, no one ever talks about the twenty thousand shots he didn't let in on purpose. You know, that's kind of yeah. where we're at. But this was one of the matches. Yeah, but you fuck one dog. Yeah, exactly. And suddenly you're implicated in a match fixing scandal in Turkey. Yeah. Anyway. 
I'm sure Ian Austin's uh, impending trial <laughs> at the special at the special sports tribunal or whatever it was called. It was called something like that. Um, will be will be will be swift and justice will be delivered. What goes on is basically there's this very long trial and Uzzas Yildirim is uh, jailed. Actually, he's jailed and Uzzas Yildirim decides, I fucking figured this out, everyone. Because Aziz Yildirim is sentenced to six years in prison and fined a shit ton of money. 1.3 million Turkish lira, which is like Ooh. half of... Uh, which now is a lot less money, but back then was like half a million dollars. And he also could never be involved in football again. And people were very... Um, basically very clear that it's Aziz Yildirim specifically who is at fault. He is the bastard man. And to be fair... I'm going to put this out there. I'm not, and I'm going to be very careful about how I phrase it. The only reason Galatasaray and Trabzonspor were not picked up on this is because they didn't win. Like, yeah, if they had won, people would have been looking at some of their matches too. I can tell you that much. But it's embarrassing to fix matches and not win the league. I think. I think it's, it speaks to a profound incompetence. An, uh, almost a unique level of incompetence. And Aziz Yildirim basically puts forward this idea. I am not the bastard man who is cheating in the notoriously corrupt league full of cheaters. I am in fact being targeted because this is political. This is actually yeah. a political uh, court case. That, that old chestnut. Because, as I said, politics has massive... Sorry, football has massive cultural clout in Turkey. It is a... If you are a wealthy person and you want a springboard to a public platform that you can use for, um, for all sorts of stuff, you would try and become the president of Fenerbahce or Besiktas or Gatsaray. Because you, um, and by the way, this is relevant to some other issues in Turkish football, but we probably won't cover it. You are not personally liable for the club's debts or anything like that. And believe me, there's a lot of debt in Turkish football. Basically, if the government doesn't intervene every, like, two years, all but four clubs would cease to exist. So, like, oh. they are not, uh, they are not uh, functional entities in any sense. But you would pick, like, one of those clubs and you would try and win as quickly as possible in your term. You know, win four mm. leagues in a row, whatever. You know, win as many league titles as you like. And then you're Mr. Popular because you, and then you just retire a champ, right? You would never carry on after winning. You would retire a champ and you've got mass, you, you are now associated with this club, either one of the, any of the big three that has this massive cultural clout. Cultural clout. Let's try and say that properly. And even Erdogan comments on this case. Like, this is a big deal. Like, it's hard to emphasize how much a max, ma how much a match fixing scandal in the Super League is a big deal especially one that implicates two of the biggest clubs in the league. And Erdogan even comes out and is like, well, you know, he says it's political. It does look like a very suspicious and calculated trial has taken place. Which, Ooh. yeah, I mean, isn't that interesting? And actually, this is probably the part where something political did happen, which is that, the a year after Aziz Yildirim is sent to prison, every every single defendant is acquitted, and huh. and the police chief who started the original case, who was in charge of the original case, was fired. Huh. Yeah, and we basically basically we're never going to really know whether the matches were fixed or not. But I am going to say they were definitely fixed. Like, yeah, everyone yeah. was fixing 100%. everything. Like, oh, no there's, no, there's no question in my mind that that shit was fixed. And one of the interesting wrinkles in this was that uh, Aziz Yildirim explicitly blamed uh, Petula Gulen and the Jemaat for it. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was... And this is going to become a thing. Basically, Jemaat... Uh, Gulen is a... Is a cleric in, um, in who lives in Pennsylvania, and he very famously, and he is in charge of a foundation or series of foundations. I'm not quite a hundred percent sure of the um, of the specific of the specific uh, you know 
uh, organization, but like he's basically in contact with billions of dollars for like schools and um, you know uh, education programs and stuff like that. And it gets very uh, it gets very weird, basically, because he is in alliance for a while with Erdogan. Because he and Erdogan come from not entirely the same, but similar enough political backgrounds. And also Erdogan is the wing of the old party that he split in two that is winning. It it becomes that whole, it becomes that whole thing. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a complicated thing to explain in the short time we have left in the episode, but basically understand that the, People who are aligned to Fetzalar Gulen provided a lot of the bureaucratic muscle for the AKP. And I mean in, like, state institutions and in the police and in everything, right? They provided a lot of this sort of muscle to pr- for bureaucrats and stuff. Because they don't... AKP doesn't have a... And its predecessor parties don't have a tradition of governing. They don't have bureaucrats. They don't have governing mm. bureaucrats, right? And so they need people who can do the job. Gemart can provide those people. That's at least the common understanding of how the relationship kind of worked. Yeah, so uh, I, I forgot quite where we were. I think it was Aziz Yildirim being mad at Fetula Gulen and uh, Erdogan being like, yeah, a little bit, maybe. Maybe something was going on there. And, you know, again, political intervention in, in Turkish football is really common, especially with, uh, with the money side of it and the stadium building. And to be honest, the fact that Turkish football clubs just cannot exist as viable financial entities. So one of the things that's, uh, that you know is of note in Turkish football is that most of the Turkish football club's debt is held in not Turkish lira, which right. which is great when the Turkish lira is you know normal, yeah, or abnormal, I guess, because normally <laughs> it's not like this. It's not so good when the Turkish lira collapses immediately <laughs> and suddenly uh. because you have to report your debts in your local currency, which uh, is not good. It's not ideal. And it means that Turkish football apparently is undergoing something we like to call austerity. Oh, yeah. boy. And famously, austerity leads to, you know, massive gains. And, you know, definitely doesn't lead to stagnation and collapse. It's never done that. No, no one has ever no. heard of this, you know. It's only ever been good news for this country in particular. Yeah, and that's why we're so happy to hear it's happening again. <laughs> oh, when has it not been happening? God. Yeah, God, it's basically since, like, the fucking 80s. We've just been living under austerity. Ah, uh, maybe not, but... Um... I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to... That's, that's depressed me. We were talking about Turkish football and that's depressed me. Fucking thinking about Britain. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about Britain's what's done me in. But yeah, it, it's... Mm. Um, Doctors do not recommend it. Yeah. Also, I, I will mention that there is a new fact that, that Başak Şehir team has a fan group that specifically rejects alcohol and violence. And which, no swearing. And, well, yeah, <laughs> maybe no swearing, yeah. <laughs> Oh god, that fucking uh, on the YouTube zone there was that kid who founded the No Cussing Club. Oh my god! And and to be fair, he's an adult now, so you know. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm not going to put a link to it or anything, but also just just search No Cussing Club on YouTube and you will find it. They even had a rap. Oh. You know what I'm going to no. do at the end of this episode? I'm going to put the rap at the end of this episode. You're going to get the No Cussing <laughs> rap, everyone. That's oh you yes lucky lucky people sorry I hate to do it to you <laughs> but now but that's what you're getting it's not is it related to the episode at all no can you stop me also no so <laughs> I guess you could I guess you could press the pause button but that would be that would be in poor taste I think <laughs> having got to this stage of the podcast to pause it to avoid a song anyway we I think we're all off to record the bonus. The bonus. Yes, it, it is the bonus. Uh, it, it, it's going to be about a certain quite well-known footballer called Hakan Shukur, who uh, is the all-time top goalscorer in the Super League and is also the all-time top goalscorer for the Turkish national team. And 
he kind of took a weird turn. He decided to, you know, take his clout from playing football and apply it directly to politics. And you'll oh, never yes. guess what happened next. <laughs> well, I guess, well, I guess if you want to find out what happened next, get on that Patreon. All right, everyone, enjoy the no cussing rap. See ya. See ya. Goodbye, everyone. I was sitting in the schoolyard, hanging with my crowd, with some kids came walking by, talking really foul. Every other word was burning in my ears, so I took a new stand, and I challenged all my peers, if you're